0: Thank you. Thank you. Can y'all you hear me okay? Yeah, I see some nodding heads. Excellent. Okay. We have three technical quality tests. So second, can you see my screen? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm just going to make it to where I can see everyone's face. That helps me out. Would much rather be in person. Okay. Uh, and then if you could take out your phone, which is not a typical thing we ask you to do in a presentation like this, or open up a browser and go to meet.ps slash team dash player. And you should see a a box at the front asking you to put your name in, and then you should get sort of an entry survey question pop up. Good. Okay. I see some people working on that. Just real quick while you're filling out that, uh, these are my coworkers. My daughter, Amelia, is seven. She's on the left. My son, Noah, is four. He's on the right. There's probably a 76.4% chance that one or both of them will interrupt us during this presentation. So uh, you have been warned. And today we're going to talk about becoming the ideal team player. It's one of my favorite topics uh, and I hope you all really like it. So let's jump right in with our opening question. Let's see if this comes up. Well, that's annoying. I always have technical difficulties somewhere. There we go. Okay. One sentence to describe your Dolphin School experience. This is the favorite part of my week so far. I've really been looking forward to giving this presentation. I really liked Dolphin School when I went through. There were people in my cohort that I still keep in touch with today. So it was a really great opportunity to meet the people that you're going to work with for the foreseeable future. So that's pretty cool. Let's see. Guided tour of everything you need to succeed at Beta. That's right. Intense and quick introduction to a great company. Consuming a lot of information. Extremely informative and welcoming. Overwhelming, but exciting and informative. Yeah. A dive into the deep blue. Excellent. So the the Kool-Aid drinking sessions have been going well, I take it. Yeah, I see some head nods there. Great. Okay, very informative. Wonderful time meeting everyone. Lifted a lot of anxiety and made me excited for the future. Oh, that's good. That's good. Interactive, informative experience of our culture. Guided tour of everything you need. Yes. Awesome. Great. Well, it sounds like the Dolphin School crew did a great job with y'all this week. That's excellent. And then if you have questions throughout, you can... Unmute at the end, or uh, you can type them into the QA box and I'll answer them at the end of the presentation. So let's get started. Uh, Quick emoji reaction How many people have been on just a really exceptional team? You can give me a thumbs up if you have, confused if you haven't. Okay. Kind of sear that into your mind, like that feeling that you had when you were on such a great team. A couple of people haven't. That's okay. You'll have plenty of opportunity working here. Uh, We do hire really great people. so then now give me another emoji reaction. How many people have been on like a really terrible team? Thumbs up if you have, confused if you haven't. Yeah, lots of people on a terrible team. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've been there as well. That, what, what a contrast as you're thinking about those two teams, right? How many people, last question, were the sole cause of the dysfunction on their terrible team? Anybody? I'll give a thumbs up on that. I've... That's been me before. Okay. Some honest people. Great. So I really wanted to talk to you about this today because as you know from uh, your onboarding experience, we really take small teams seriously. We think that's the way to unlock a lot of growth and potential for us uh, as Fins, as individuals, and also for our clients. But when you get down to it, exceptional teams, they change the world, right? The idea of accomplishing meaningful outcomes today, it requires the collaborated and coordinated involvement of others. It just does. One of my favorite examples is Apollo 11, sending humans to the moon with slide rules and pocket protectors. Like, that's pretty cool. They'll always go down in history as as one of the most exceptional teams, right? Um, You can probably think of a lot of sports examples as well. On the other side, you know, dysfunctional teams, they don't change the world. Have you all heard of the Fire Festival? Actually, I didn't hear about it until the second documentary came out, so I was way late to the game. But uh, yeah, there's a thumbs up, yeah. Uh, History's filled with examples of teams that failed just despite their overwhelming resources and talent. I mean, think about the Fire Festival. Great funding, charismatic leader. They had an island, right? Celebrity endorsements. I mean, they had everything. All the influencers they could ever want. And they failed so publicly and so spectacularly. And it wasn't because of a lack of funding or resources or intelligence. It was because they were dysfunctional and they had a leader who was basically a criminal and that ran everything into the ground. And so again, as we're thinking about these contrasting ideas, and we have a lot of people today joining us for their very first job. Yes. First job out of college. Excellent. And you're entering the workforce in a time and place where it's not so easy to collaborate and it's not so easy to be part of a team and that'll change and that'll get better but you know our, our careers are not that long you only get a few shots at being on really great teams and so why waste our time focusing on dealing with being on terrible teams like life's too short for that and so uh, for me personally I'd much rather be on an exceptional team that changes the world than a dysfunctional team that doesn't. So that's why we're here talking today. Goodness gracious, this thing's gonna fight me all day, isn't it? Sorry. One more question. wanna keep you all awake and interacting uh, on the last day of Dolphin School here. So which area has the largest impact on your team's results? What do you think before we jump in? Is it our skills? Is it our relationships? Is it our shared purpose? Focus on the team, ownership, communication. What do y'all think? Got it. Thank you. Have some serious user error today. Okay, here we go. Strong skills, relationships, shared purpose. Yep. Okay, we're put pretty split on communication, relationship, skill set. Good. Communication, that's taking the lead. Got it. Love it. Okay, so if exceptional teams change the world, how do we make exceptional teams? That's the question, right? And it turns out that exceptional teams are made up of ideal team players without a strong individual foundation teams fall apart organizations will continue to struggle to achieve their goals no matter how straightforward how many examples have you seen especially in the business world of companies teams failing to solve solve problems right there are a lot of duplicate problems in this world some of them get solved really well some don't and so the idea here is the individual is the core atomic unit of a team and that's what really matters as it relates to creating exceptional teams and so if you have a bunch of individual, ideal team players, you'll have some great exceptional teams. If exceptional teams change the world and exceptional teams are made up of ideal team players, then how do we become ideal team players? That's the core of this discussion. And it turns out that that has already been answered for us in a great book called The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni. And he says the ideal team player is humble, hungry, and people smart. And so humble is putting the team before yourself. Hungry is always in search of more. And smart uh, is really playing well with others. people smart. Thank goodness it doesn't mean actual intelligence or I'd be in trouble. So let's break these down uh, individually. I think they they deserve a little bit of time and attention from us here. Uh, So humble team player, what does that mean? A continuous emphasis on making the team successful, sometimes at the expense of your own personal preferences. That's a tough one. Tough one for me. What does it look like? Showing gratitude, taking ownership when things go wrong. Being quick to praise others. Encouragement. We're, we're so starved for encouragement as a, as a society right now. Showing respect to those around us. Defining success collectively. Playing the infinite game. These are things that if you do them individually, these are behaviors that you can exhibit and get feedback on. They will create ideas in the people you're interacting with that say, oh, this person's humble. Right? Where do we fail on this? Being overly competitive. Stealing credit. You hear a lot of that, right? I, not We resenting other success. Luckily here, you're not really going to have that problem. There's no finite number of spaces above you to grow your career. At a lot of other organizations, that's the case. There's three spots above you, and you basically have to wait until people die, get fired, decide to leave, uh, and then it's this kind of mad scramble. Here, that's not the case, right? So we're sort of incentivized to be more team-oriented. Criticizing, shooting down ideas, seeking the spotlight over the team, And then on the flip side of this spectrum, we actually have a problem where sometimes we mistake passive for humble, right? Humble does not mean, you know, my good work will speak for itself. It doesn't mean you can't be ambitious. It doesn't mean you can't have goals. It doesn't mean you don't play to win. It all comes back to, are you winning at the expense of others? Are you self-serving or are you working as part of a team that you're trying to make successful in the collective? That's what we really mean by humble here. Next is hungry. So hungry team players show constant growth and progress forward. We probably wouldn't have hired you if you weren't hungry. I'm not too worried about this for this group. Tenacious in overcoming obstacles. We're going to be asked to do things that our clients have no clue how to do. We're going to have to come in and figure it out. And then my favorite part, willing to shoulder more than their fair share of the load without complaint. If the world was made up of people who were able and willing to shoulder more than their fair share of the load without complaint, we'd be in a really, really good spot right now. So what does that look like? People are constantly learning, doing more than expected. People who are passionate about their work, pushing their limits, self-motivated to make progress and needing minimal direction. And then failing here, we've all seen it, avoiding making commitments, maintaining the status quo, unfocused attention, lacking individual commitment, and output is just constantly lagging. We've all worked with people like that in the past, I know. Uh, and then the people smart team player, right? Able to get along with other humans, Showing self-awareness and interactions, that's such a big one. Engaging in healthy conflict and behaving effectively in a wide range of scenarios. So adequate social skills for the job. As you grow your career, you're going to need to get better and better with people. We have some tools for that later. Being able to build trust with others, have good listening skills, adapting to others' preferences, so huge, right? If, if you just rigidly stick to your communication preferences, uh, you, you roughly make up about 25% of the world's sort of preference, and so you're going to alienate about seventy-five percent of others if you if you can't adapt. That's tough. Uh, giving empathy, uh, and and empathy is such an interesting word. It doesn't mean sympathy it doesn't mean you agree but it means you're able to sort of articulate the position of those around you and understand it and that that's a huge thing and giving the benefit of the doubt i've maybe i've met two people in my life who were intentionally malicious and trying to like row against the team most of the time people are just doing the best they can and their incentives are different their opinions are different their intentions are to sort of make progress and move things forward so assuming positive intent Where do we fail? We see this a lot. I am who I am. I'm just late. I'm just abrasive. I'm just kind of a jerk, but I'm an equal jerk to everybody. So that makes it okay. That's not the case, right? Inability to adapt styles or unwillingness, overly combative, aggressive, not apologizing. We're all going to make mistakes here. Working on teams is hard. The kinds of work we do is hard. Uh, Being negative consistently or interrupting others frequently. And it turns out that You actually have to be really good at all three of these dimensions to be an ideal team player. If you lag in any one of them, dysfunction starts to creep in. And we all know the magic formula, dysfunction multiplied by time, is an exponential sort of curve. So we will hit our next poll. Growth in which of these three areas would create the most positive impact on your team? Some people smarts and some humility yeah not a lot of hunger i think that's just such a default for us which is great you're not going to you're not going to work with many lazy fins okay great thank you this is a really good participation uh, group so thank you all for that it makes it much easier for me okay so the great thing is anyone can be an ideal team player uh, with the right mindset skill set and tool set these are things that can be learned you can and if it can be learned you can measure it you can get feedback around it you can practice it This is all stuff I wish I knew when I was in your shoes, Uh, and so this will really, I think, create a a nice uptick in in your career trajectory uh, if you take it seriously. So, if we think about the idea of mindset, skill set, tool set, right? How what filter do we use to view the world? We've been talking about the mindset of an ideal team player up until now. Next is skills and tools, right? How do we wield? the tools that we have, how effective are we at that, and then what are the actual tools that we use. The example, I play golf. I'm terrible at it. Uh, I have the exact same putter Tiger Woods has. It was very important to me uh, to have that putter, and I'm terrible at putting. And my mindset's not the same when I walk up. I can't wield it the same way he can, obviously, uh, even though I have the same tools in the wrong hands. They're, they're not very useful. So the skill set and tool set really, uh, I think, pair nicely here. Um, So let's jump into some tools. I I think that's really what we've been waiting for here. Backed up by science. These are frameworks, models, resources that you can use to help level up your player coach, ideal team player skill set and tool set. So the first, my favorite we'll start with is Radical Candor. Anyone read this book by Kim Scott? If you've heard of Sheryl Sandberg, Kim Scott was around her most of her career. What a great, easy to understand framework. Radical Candor, which is what we should be uh, pursuing in all conversations, is the ability to care personally and challenge directly. Now it turns out that everyone on this call will be really good at one of those two, but not both. So me personally, I'm really good at challenging directly and I'm not so great at caring personally. Now the funny part about that is, I would say, I would argue, I actually care deeply about those that I work with and I don't always demonstrate that to them. Caring personally is about what the person you are communicating with feels, not how you feel if they don't feel cared for you're not caring personally and so if you think about those two dimensions just think about the one that you're really good at if you're really good at one of them and you know it you're probably not so great at the other and that's that's an opportunity to think about especially when the stakes are high one of those two is going to you might want to start where you're not used to uh moving on trust so maximizing trusts turns out that's kind of an equation as well which i really like uh, So trust is credibility, reliability, and intimacy. I'll add it together, divided by self-orientation. Credibility, do people trust you when you say something? Reliability, do you follow through on your commitments? And intimacy, how do people feel when they're around you? All divided by self-orientation. Now, the math nerds on the call will know that if you double your credibility and you double your self-orientation, you rapidly diminish trust. And so the best thing you can do, if you're not sure where to start is be a little bit more team focused. And self-orientation will actually really kill over time, really erode trust in, in a big way. Moving forward, uh, participate. So, hey, look, you're smart. You have great ideas. We wouldn't have hired you if you didn't. We will fail as a company without active participation from everyone. And this really great quote from Playing to Win, that's a Procter & Gamble's story, only through making and acting on choices that you can win, clear Tough choices force your hand and confine you to a path, but they also free you to focus on what matters. And so, don't be afraid to jump in, participate, and have your voice heard. But the next one this is kind of a new slide. So, you know, we're in we're in this red zone uh, in 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 our current sort of macro COVID crisis. The red zone in in football is the twenty yard line. If you have the ball, you're in your opponent's twenty yard line. So, where all the scoring plays happen, you can really boil down a team's win or loss based on how they perform in the red zone. And we're kind of at this like middle point. We're past peak crisis. We're towards the recovery. Everyone's being optimistic. There's a lot of stuff we have to get right between now and when things are back to quote unquote normal. And if you're not careful, you can just dump right back down into a crisis that looks the same, might be a little bit different. And whether you know it or not, whether we've told you or not, you know, part of it is in a bit of a sub-crisis inflection point. You know, we're we're being tossed around in these really massive waves around us. We just had this major health crisis, but the market's really hot right now. Consulting services was impacted; I think third highest impact in or negative impact during the pandemic as far as revenue goes. You're coming into an environment where you're already in the red zone, right? We just popped you right off the bench on in, into the game. And the actions that you take today, tomorrow, next month are going to have an outsized impact. The ripple effects you create in your career right now, positive or negative, will have more impact than maybe they will a couple years from now when we're back into that normal phase. So keep that in mind. And you're joining teams where people have been going through this for over a year. There's a little bit of burnout going on. This is a really good opportunity for you to come in and demonstrate some of these ideal team player qualities right off of the bat and really provide some some uplift for your team so there's something to think about extreme ownership so one of my favorite authors jaco willick he says implementing extreme ownership requires checking your ego operating with a high degree of humility admitting mistakes taking ownership and developing a plan to overcome challenges those are integral to any successful team imagine what our world would be like is anytime there was a negative outcome if everyone on the team said hey that was my fault, right? Everything is your fault. Here's what I'm, here's what I could have done in perfect hindsight to prevent this from happening. Here's what I will do in the future to keep this from happening again. Right. And there are things in our lives we can't control taking ownership of the things that, of the outcomes and what we can do to mitigate negative outcomes in the future is, uh, is a really, really critical skill, especially as you grow your career into more leadership positions. And then finally, influence. Have y'all taken PI? Is that the... We're still doing that? PI? Yes. Chicken heads? Yes. So this is whole brain. You'll take it at some point uh, in your Parvita career. They don't. It doesn't matter. They're all based on the same underlying science. There's just different filters with which to view the output. So PI, disk, Myers-Briggs, whole brain. It's all kind of based in the same science. And if you think about how people are wired, and we we talked about this a little bit earlier, so my whole brain profile is on the right. You might see a couple of things that I'll or I'll call your attention to a couple of things. One, the yellow here, so it's very conceptual. I'm off the chart on that, and then the dash line is when I'm stressed. So when I'm stressed, I get even more yellow. So this thing I'm already like super uh, anchored to, I get more that way, which is which is not probably appealing to the people around me. And the green is formality, like planning, following rules, that kind of thing, that shrinks, which is probably not helpful under stress. And then my my people orientation, the thing that when I think about my career, the piece I get the most excited about shrinks as well. And so I'm just not that pleasant to be around under stress. And if I don't know that I get less people oriented when I'm stressed, that's not a good thing for me. And when I when the people around me don't know that, that can be bad too. And so, this gives us a common vocabulary to talk about how we're wired, to understand how things happen under stress. They're not perfect. It's just a metaphor. It's a, it's an, an analogy for how a way to create a an analogy for the complex the complexities of your of your brain, right? But the common vocabulary, and it's like directionally uh, correct enough to be useful. So, I'd encourage you to spend some time with your PI and really thinking through. Maybe just how the people on your team are wired, and and what you can do to uh, to help with that. You know, two two quick stories. One, uh, so my one of my favorite people here, his name's Kyle. We're on, at our client together. He is super blue green, and I'm super yellow red. So he's very analytical, very sequential. I like pictures and PowerPoint. And he likes Excel. I will go into SharePoint and I'll see what Excel files he's updating, and I'll open them up and I'll see if there's anything that. Uh, I can fill in, and if there is, I'll do it. And I hate Excel. I don't want to do that. I do that for Kyle, like those kind of things, because he cares about that kind of stuff. It really matters how other people are wired and how you adapt your style to them. And then this such a great piece of advice I got uh, maybe a little too late in my career. I've been in situations where uh, our a relationship and interaction went sideways, and it wasn't my fault, right? It's never my fault, but... You know, this time it wasn't, just take take my word for it. And the the person I got some advice from said, hey, you should go fix that because you have the interpersonal tools to do so and the other person doesn't, right? If you're an ideal team player, you can fix problems. You have the tools to do it. You'll probably, you know, have thought about this more than most people, right? If you're practicing this, if you're honing this over time, you have the specialized tools for the job. You should fix it because you can. All right. Going into our last question. Should be live. Now, what's one thing I will change over the next 30 days to become a more ideal team player? All right. Let's see here. Got some coming through. Work on the humble player mentality. Focus on adaptability. Try to match other teammates' working styles. Work on my interpersonal skills. Focus on learning the other styles of my teammates. Yeah. Awesome. Listen. Yeah. Perfect. Like one... Probably like a one-word distillation of this whole presentation. Be more intentional in conversation and communicate as often as I can. It's difficult beginning virtually, but is not impossible. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Okay, great. Uh, and then if if you've ever seen one of my presentations, you know it's not complete without a, a list of resources of people who can tell you this stuff better than I can. Uh, so where do I go from here? Mindset, tool set. Here's just a few books. They've been really impactful on my career. Uh, the Ideal Team Player, we talked about that. Patrick Lencioni is a wonderful author. He writes business fables, so this is like fiction. It's a fictional story that has uh, is based on real-life events that helps through narrative and through some drama get to a point, which is pretty cool. Extreme Ownership, Jocko I talked about him earlier. Five Dysfunctions of a Team, another great leadership fable by Patrick Lencioni. Personal Styles and Effective Performance is probably the driest book on the list, but it really goes into behavior profiles and how people are wired and, and stuff like that. So you can get really deep into it if that's your the manager tools or the effective manager by Mark Horseman from manager tools, probably the single biggest, most impactful resource that I had in my career as I went through the M ranks around the mechanics of of leading others and very got, gets very specific, very tactical guidance. It's great. Uh, so I definitely recommend this one. And then classic, how to win friends and influence people. That's a great sort of easy place to start. Uh, so there's a few examples. You'll get the deck so you don't have to write this stuff down. Um, so yeah, go and build an exceptional team and change the world. Thanks for your time today. And I will take some questions. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. That's it for today. Thanks for joining. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WannaGrabCoffee or drop us a line at hello at com.